Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. And the importance of those appearances and why he appeared, uh, because the Bible says that he appeared more than a dozen times to people, and that's really awesome. But Jesus doesn't just visit people. So he, he spends time visiting them, and then Jesus is going to uh, commission his disciples, and he's going to ascend into heaven. He's got this, this Iron Man thing going on. You know, he's going to, like, soar off into the clouds, and that's exactly that's what happens, okay? Some, we don't know how it happens, but, you know, if I were to picture it, like, you know, he's got a jet pack, and he's just kind of cruising. I don't think that's real, but leave me alone. Uh, it's my mind, and I get to play in it. So, But so Jesus is getting ready to ascend to heaven and leave his disciples behind, but he gives them what is known as the Great Commission. He says, hey guys, I'm going to give you something to do. You need to tell everybody about me. You need to tell them the good news, which by the way is the word, the gospel, that that I'm here, that they can place their faith in me, they can have forgiveness, they can be transformed, have a brand new life. You need to go into, and he said, go into Jerusalem, go into Judea. Then he told them to go into Samaria, a place none of them would have wanted to go. Then he said, and then to the ends of the world. He said, you're going to go. You're going to tell everybody about it. But right before he gives this commission, there's this little verse that a lot of people just kind of gloss over. And I'm going to focus on it. Matthew 28, verse 16 says, Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. This is where he's going to ascend from. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Accurate. Proper response. But some of them doubted. Some of them doubted. We're starting this new series. It's called Doubting God. Today, my message is called The Doubters Club. So let's get after it. Got a question for you. You ever discover that somebody else has an issue? Like they've got a problem. And you actually realize you've got that problem too. And all of a sudden, you feel better about yourself. It's something, it's this thing about human nature, right? It's misery loves company. We love to know that the the thing that we're experiencing, the pain that we're going through, someone else has experienced it too. Because I think what happens when we start to experience pain, when we start to go through trials and tribulations, we start to think, it must just be me. I'm the only one. But when you find out somebody else is going through it, it's a little encouraging. I had that happen this week. I'm going to Israel in June. My wife and I are going to take a 10-day tour. I'm going to walk through the Holy Land, y'all. Well, the Lord willing, because I don't know if y'all are watching what's happening in Israel right now, but um, Lord willing. But uh, we're going to go there, and, and I got an email this week from the tour company, and they said, hey, it's time to get a new pair of walking shoes and start breaking them in. And I thought, you know what? I've never been fitted for a good pair of shoes. I'm going to go do that. There's this place in Pickerington called the Footworks, just free advertisement for them, I guess. And, uh, and they'll take your insurance, too, by the way, and, and to pay for these shoes. Never knew that would happen, be a thing. Like, but, so I go in there, and the guy says, okay, tell him what I'm doing, what, I, what I'm looking for. And he says, all right, take off your shoes. And he said, I just want to walk you walk. So I walked up and down the aisle a couple times. He said, uh-huh. <laughs> he said, stand in front of me. Okay. And he took my heel folks, and he turned my heel a little bit. I mean, I'm talking like just a little bit. And everything in my body got into alignment. And he says, how's that feel? I said, oh my goodness, that's so much better. I'm just standing in my sock feet on the ground. 
Sock feet. Yeah, this is where you're wearing your socks on your feet. No shoes. Come on, somebody. Get up with the lingo. <laughs> Standing in my sock feet. And he adjusts, he adjusts my heel, my, my left foot. And everything felt better. He said, uh-huh. He said, yeah. He said, you know what? He said, I bet you've got knee pain and hip pain. That, that's what's very common with that. And I looked at him and I said, how did you know that? He said, oh, he said, this is just very common. He said, when your heel turns that way, he said, the, the impact on your knee and your hip. He said, so many people go through this and they don't even know what the cause of it is. I have been dealing with knee and hip pain on this left side for unknown reasons for years. And it kind of comes and goes. And I guess it really depends on how much walking I'm doing, right? And how I'm walking specifically. I was so encouraged by this that I left that place, called my, I went to a parking, a parking lot across the street. I called my wife and I cried. <laughs> There's something about discovering that this, that the pain you're going through is common, that other people have dealt with it, that they have gone through it. That's what's important. You say, Aaron, why are we talking about this? Well, because I get encouraged by verses, well, like we just had up on the screen. Because the disciples were there. They saw him, and they still doubted. And me, I walk with God. I've never seen Jesus, never laid eyes on him. And I feel close to him, and I know that he's good, and I know that he's for me. But sometimes, I have my doubts. I have my doubts. And it's good to know that others deal with it too. Isn't that good to know? It's good to know that right there in the Bible, that these guys saw him, laid eyes on him, walked with him for three years in the flesh, and they doubted. I mean, I can feel close to God. I know he's present. Know he's real. Know that he's good. And doubt grips my heart. Anybody ever had that happen? Anybody relate? Okay, y'all are awake and paying attention this morning. Appreciate you. Feels so good. But doubt catches us off guard, doesn't it? It's one of those things that you're not looking for you're not expecting and when doubt comes in it makes us feel alone i think that's very specific to or especially really in christian community because this is a walk of faith and faith and doubt are in opposition to each other aren't they and because this is a faith journey when we start to have our doubts well in christian community having doubt is like killing a kitten you're a monster if you've got doubts you just don't do it. We can't help it, though. Not, not the cat thing, but the doubt thing, <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> One minute we're full of faith, and suddenly we've got issues. We're not so sure. We wonder, why don't we feel God? We wonder why he doesn't answer our prayers. We wonder, why does he allow bad things to happen? And we wonder, is God even real? And when you start to doubt... You start having these scary feelings, and you want to ask questions, and you worry, am I the only one? You, I don't know if you've ever experienced doubt before, but along with doubt comes a little bit of guilt, too. And with that guilt, guilt, excuse me, gout, talking feet, I don't know what's going on. Just slipping it in there. That was not my issue, by the way. When you experience guilt, shame comes, too. And we hang our heads, and we hold our doubts, and we say nothing. And I'm here to tell you, church, that I'm convinced that there are people that
that are leaving our churches and our congregations in droves because they have doubts. And the church should be the safest place to express and have those doubts, and it's not. I talked to a precious woman last week who came up and shared her testimony with me and said, 16 years I was in a church. 16 years, and I began to express some doubts, and I was ostracized. I was told to have faith. I was silenced, shamed for having questions. Simple church, let, we cannot let that be our reputation here. We cannot. People are leaving because they don't feel safe sharing their doubts. They have questions that they don't feel safe asking. So why is it that we doubt? Why? Well, there's a couple reasons. The first one is you got questions you can't answer. There are questions that we have about God, about his nature, about his intent, about what he's doing. And I'm just going to tell you something, that by God's very nature, we're going to have questions. We're not going to understand him 100% of the time. I wouldn't even tell you, give you hope to believe that you're going to understand him 1% of the time. God is so far beyond our ways and our thoughts. That's scripture. In fact, Paul told us that, that he's so far past us. The moment we can, even at the oldest age of our life, if we suddenly have an epiphany about God, he's way past that. He, he's more than we can ever imagine. So we're going to have questions. That, you're going to have them. There's questions about biblical stories. Like, what happened there? Why did it have to be that way? We don't know. Questions you can't answer. The second reason we've got doubts is because situations happen that seem unfair. Man, we've been praying about this thing, but God's not answering. We know that he can. We know that he's the God of the impossible. And if he can, why won't he? That doesn't seem fair. Does he even love me? Is he even good? We see bad things happening to good people, good things happening to bad people, and that confuses us even more. We see innocence suffering. We see a war in Ukraine, TikTok banned, and guac is extra. <laughs> Situations that seem unfair. I thought I'd get a bigger amen than that, but that's cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the third reason, you got hurt, you can't resolve. Yeah, this is a big one. This is the one that caused a lot of doubts within me. It's the reason I left the church. Hurts you can't resolve. Some Christian treated you bad. Maybe it was a church leader. Now, people like to say, well, that church hurt me. No, it wasn't. Church is the organization is the name. There's a person at that church that hurt you. Who was it? Who was it? Name them. Deal with it. Forgive them. Walk through that process. Maybe church wasn't a safe place for you because there was no grace. And when there's no grace, there's no space for our doubts and our questions. And the only choice at that point is to walk away from God and his people. But I'm here to tell you that your doubts and your questions, if handled properly, can make you a stronger believer and have stronger faith because your faith you need to know this write this one down your faith is a journey it's not a destination okay that means that you're going to walk out this journey of faith and you're going to be up and you're going to be down you're going to have high points of faith and you're going to be low 
in some doubts. It's going to happen. You don't ever arrive, not until we are there with him in heaven for eternity, will we walk with full, total, complete confidence. See, we're not going have to have to have faith when we're present with him, right? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Well, guess what? I can see you. I don't need faith no more. When we get to heaven. But, but till that day, your faith journey will be up and down. And you all know this, but for some reason when it comes to other people, we lack the grace to apply it to them. Especially, I think, let me talk to the parents in the room, to our kids. To our kids. You know, your kid's on a journey too. Don't be surprised someday if your kid starts to doubt. In fact, I will tell you parents, don't panic over that. There are plenty of times in the Bible where the leaders and heroes of our faith, their children used words like the Lord, your God, because it wasn't their faith yet. It's like, Dad, I go to church with you every weekend, and that's fine, but that's your faith. I'm not really sure about this. I'm looking into it. I'm checking it all out. Like, I'll go through it all, and I'll be there with you, but I've got some questions. And the heroes of our faith allowed their kids to be on their own spiritual journeys, to have their doubts, to have their questions, and to ultimately have an encounter and experience with God that would change them from going, the Lord, your God, to being the Lord, my God. There's a journey that they're on. God isn't threatened by your doubts, and we shouldn't be threatened by other people's doubts, especially our children's doubts. Because your kids are going to grow up. They're going to be told that there's contradictions in the Bible. They're going to meet kids and other people that don't have any faith or of different faith walks. Whether Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, atheist. Atheism isn't a religion. That's not a belief. Yes, it is. I think it takes more to believe that there isn't a God than it takes to believe there is one. And if it isn't a faith, why are they out there preaching just as often as I am? Do you think about that? Your kids are going to meet these people. They're going to have questions. They're going to be hurt by leaders, spiritual leaders. They're going to have another Christian fail them. They're going to have bad stuff happen, and they're going to develop their doubts, and they're going to have questions. Don't panic. In that moment, it's time to process, not panic. In that moment, it's time to give them space to listen, and if they're willing, to seek answers humbly together. To leave space for their doubts, leave space for their questions. The church should be the safest place, and the home should be as well, for doubts and for questions. Because I believe this, that the strongest faith isn't a faith that never doubts. The strongest faith is a faith that grows through your doubts. It'll grow through your doubts. And last week, we talked about Thomas, or better known as Doubting Thomas. We talked about him a little bit last week, and I want to kind of expand on his story. So I'm going to go back to John chapter 20, and, and a little of this will be a review, but just go with me just in case you weren't here last week. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, Thomas, excuse me, Thomas, what is going on with my mouth today? <laughs> Goodness just wants to come out so fast, I guess. But 
One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. Now, that, that, that phrasing there in the Greek means that it was an active thing, that, that they, they kept on telling him. Like, as they're hanging out, dude, we saw Jesus. We, we saw him. And everybody's talking to Thomas and telling him, Thomas has had enough. They're like, we've seen the Lord. But Thomas replied, guys, I'm not going to believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands. No, I got to see him, and I got to put my fingers in him. Hey, and that, that wound on his side, that spear, where he got jabbed with a spear, I'm going to go ahead and put my hand inside of it. It's an odd flex, but it's what he wants. It is. It's a weird request. But Thomas is like, that's what I need in order to believe. The reason, this is the reason Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas, because he's got his doubts. And I think Thomas here has got a bad rap. And my goal today is to dignify his doubts. That's my goal. Because the only reason he had is that they didn't have their doubts is because they saw him. Thomas didn't see him. He hadn't seen him yet. And I don't know about you, but I can relate to Thomas. I can relate. Because Thomas is just a realist. He's got some hurts that he's experienced in life. He's got some disappointments that he's gone through. He's got some questions. That doesn't make him a bad guy. Doesn't. It makes him human. All of us. Oswald Chambers said about doubt, the doubt is not always a sign that a man is wrong. It may be a sign that he's thinking. Ooh, consider that for a moment. Your doubts don't disqualify your faith. And when we're looking at the disciples, if you were to ask me to rank them from strongest to weakest, well, Thomas would be one of those, those high-up guys. Here's why. Because there are other stories of Thomas in the Bible, too. In John chapter 11, there's a story about Jesus, one of Jesus' best friends, Lazarus. The dude died. He'd been dead for four days. They said, he stinketh. That means he's stanky. Just translating from the King James Version into modern day. The boy reeked. And they're like, hey, he, he's dead. And Jesus is like, he, he explains to him. So, so then Jesus told him plainly, Lazarus is dead. Let's go to him. Now, going to Lazarus also meant that, that they were putting themselves in danger. There were people there in that area that wanted to kill Jesus. Thomas knew that. So Thomas says, they also known as Didymus, which, by the way, means the twin because he had a twin brother. I don't know why I keep bringing that up, but John does that kind of stuff. He said to the rest of the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Now, that's not a weak man. That's not somebody who's afraid. That's somebody who has the full faith and trust in Jesus and is being courageous. Let's go. Hey, we're going to go die. Jesus is going to die. We're going to die with him. Let's do it. Let's go do it. Another time in John 14, Jesus is telling them, hey, guys. I'm going to leave you in some, in, at some point in time, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to prepare a place for you. And Thomas is like, ooh, 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 pick me. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yes, the twin in the back. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, where are you going? How are we going to know how to get there? Jesus, I just need the details. Could you airdrop me the location? Could you put a pin on my map? Jesus, could you print out a map quest for me? For all of us that know what that was. <laughs> Thomas had questions. He just wanted to know where it was and how to get there. Give me the deets. Let's go. He wanted to know for himself where. 
And I, I think that, that there are plenty of people, including your kids, that are asking questions like this. They just want to know the details. They just want to know. And when people come to you with their doubts and they come to you with their questions, don't panic. Process. Respond like Jesus did to Thomas. Because Thomas said, I need to see for myself. Thomas said, I need to put my fingers in the holes. And how did Jesus respond to Thomas? Thomas, go ahead and bring me your torch. The tribe has spoken. Time for you to go. You are the weakest link. Goodbye. No. Jesus didn't do these things to Thomas. Didn't kick him out of the tribe. In fact, what happened was, John 26, or verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 26, is eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. Eight days have gone by, and look at Doubting Thomas. Here's what I love about Doubting Thomas. He keeps showing up. He keeps looking for Jesus. And if you're here today and you're a doubter, I applaud you. Because you're still looking for Jesus. Keep showing up. Because he's here. He's looking for you too. It says eight days later, the disciples were together and Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked, but suddenly as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand in the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. See, Jesus came to him when he was doubting, gave him exactly what he needed. And one moment, Thomas was doubting, and the next moment, Thomas was shouting. Those are exclamation points, by the way. It says, Thomas exclaimed. He was shouting, my Lord and my God. My prayer all week, for those of you that are here today that have your doubts, is that you'll go from doubting to shouting. Now, whether that's today or whether that's tomorrow, or in a week, or in a month, that I believe that Jesus is going to meet you right where you are in the middle of your doubts. Because what you need to know is that God is not distant in your doubts. He's just not. He's not distant in your doubts. Jesus is not a standoff Savior. He is willing to be touched. And though he may feel far away, I'm going to encourage you just to keep reaching. Just reach, because he's reaching for you. You can ask him questions. You can take your frustrations to him. You can wrestle with his word. You can complain. You can struggle. You can doubt. Boo, that's a good feeling. God's open to it all, and he's ready to meet you where you're at. Thomas asked his questions. He had his doubts, and Jesus answered. So what happened to, doubt, uh, to Thomas, to doubting Thomas? Well, I'm going to tell you this first, and then I'll tell you. The greatest doubters often become the strongest believers. See, history tells us that Jesus stood on that mountain, and he, and he commissioned them. Everybody go. And this was after Thomas had his doubts and had seen Jesus and declared, my Lord, my God. He'd had an experience that changed everything for him. And Jesus said, go. And history tells us that Thomas went on to preach the gospel faithfully, wound up in India. That's pretty far away from Israel. And that in 72 AD, because of his faith, and he, because he would, not, he would not renounce Christ, he was killed for his faith. They drove a spike through his, through his belly. And he was a martyr for Jesus. Listen, you don't die for something you got doubts about. 
his doubts led him to become one of the strongest believers. He preached faithfully. His testimony was the cause of his death because he had an unshakable, undoubtable experience with the Lord. And so here's what's going to happen. At some point in time in your life, something's going to go wrong. Something is going to happen that's going to cause you to have a doubt. You're going to have a moment of insecurity. You're going to have a desire and a longing for the details. Hey, I just want to understand. You're going to long for an answer. And here's what's going to happen. The devil's going to come along, and he's going to try to use that doubt and leverage that doubt to drive you further away from God. That's what he'll do. He'll tell you that God isn't real. He'll tell you that God doesn't love you. He'll tell you that he's not for you, that he's not with you. He'll tell you that you've done too much. You've said too much of the wrong stuff. You've injected that too many times in your body. You've lied to too many people. You, you, you have ruined your reputation too many times. You have broken your word too much. You're too broken, too used, too far, too, 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 too. And all those are going to speak wildly to your doubts. He'll try to drive you away from God. But I'll tell you what your doubts will do. God can use doubt to draw you to himself. Jesus came to Thomas in the middle of his doubts, and he'll do the same for you. Your doubts don't disqualify your faith. Now, you know, for me, I have moments of doubt, too. (gasps) What? I say that because I think too many times church leaders and pastors, they, they, they have an answer for everything. They have an answer for everything. Everybody's doubts, everybody's issues. We even make up stuff. Just to make, make, make us seem, you know, well, I know it all, you know. It's just uh, too scared to not have any answers. I've got doubts. But it's in the middle of those doubts when I find myself struggling, having questions. I, I take them to God. But oftentimes before that happens, I find my mind is playing tricks on me. And I find that I internalize those doubts and I begin to look for answers within myself. Like we all do. Try to make sense of them. Try to provide answers instead of doing exactly what we need to do with our doubts, and that's to come to Jesus. But see, to come to Jesus requires faith, which is what, we, what coming to Jesus does. It demonstrates our faith. Lifting up those doubts, lifting up those questions, lifting up those concerns, saying, I, I don't understand this. And frankly, Jesus, I don't necessarily think it's right. It doesn't make sense to me. Feels kind of hurtful to me and this whole community over here. I don't understand. But I trust you. And I'm willing to walk this out. And so help me understand. Jesus, because I, I know you're good. And the reason I know he's good is because I recall his faithfulness to me. Do you know the greatest thing I just need to remember? That before Jesus, I was one way. I met Jesus, and now I'm another. That before Jesus, I was on my second marriage that was in the toilet. Before Jesus, I was addicted to pornography to such a level that if I didn't use, I would shake and tremble like a drug addict. 
before Jesus, I was angry and bitter. I was broken. I was a terrible father, terrible friend. But God, He's transformed my heart and my life. That didn't happen by mistake or because I'm so good. It's because He's so good. And that's something I'll never, ever let go of. And I'll hold on to that faith. Knowing that he's good. Knowing that he's for me. Knowing that he's with me. Knowing that he holds all the answers. And I'm relieved to know that I don't have to. That I can have questions and I can have doubts. And that God doesn't disown me because of it. God healed me. Freed me. Redeemed me forgave me. I was lost, but now I'm found. Doubt is going to come, my friends. But faith is in the absence of doubt. Faith is the means to push through it. David said this in the 23rd Psalm. He said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, because you're with me. I don't know about you, but if you've ever walked through a valley before, whether it's the shadow of death or it's just the shadow of doubt, that's some tough stuff, man. You feel alone and isolated. It's not a great place to be. But David said, though I walk through the valley. Some of us feel like we've been in the valley so long that that's where we've set up camp and where we're going to be forevermore. And that's just not true. That with God, you'll go through the valley because he's with you. Don't let your doubt be your dead end. Keep pressing through. Keep walking. Keep asking. Keep searching. Keep showing back up. Keep doing it. Come to Jesus. Faith is a journey. It's not a destination. So today, if you've got doubts, welcome to the Doubters Club. Come to Jesus. If you've got questions, come to Jesus. If you're struggling and uncertain, come to Jesus. If you've got some church hurts, which, by the way, means people hurt, come to Jesus. Come to him. Your doubts will never disqualify your faith. They won't keep you from him. They'll draw you to him. So keep showing up. Keep coming to Jesus. Amen, everybody? Let's pray. And at this time, I'm going to invite Derek, our creative pastor, to come in, close out the service for us right now. Thank you, Pastor Aaron. Who needed that today? Yeah, maybe you guys have had the same week that I've had this week and that it's just been a rough week. We've spent a lot of the the week in that valley that Aaron spoke about and this was a really good icing on the cake. They say Sundays are like beginning of the week. To me, it's the end of the week. It's the day I look most forward to because it can pick me back up no matter the junk that I've been in. I I get to rise above. I get to go from doubting to, someone say it? Shouting, thank you over here. Yeah, this is my favorite day of the week. Thank you guys for being here. Let's, uh, let's pray. 
Lord, thank you for showing up today. Thank you for giving Pastor Aaron a word to to end our week on a positive note, that no matter what we've been through this week, no matter what doubts, no matter what shames, no matter what valleys, no matter what pains we've been in, Lord, that you, you're carrying us through, Lord, that you've been there for us then, you're here for us now, and you're going to be here for us tomorrow, Lord. We thank you for it. Lord, more than anything else, we want to just grow closer to you. More than anything else, Lord, we want to go from doubting to shouting, Lord. We want to wake up tomorrow renewed, refreshed, and we know that we can, and we're thankful for it because you allow us to do that, Lord. Lord, we love you. Amen. Listen, there's a few of you in this room potentially that we're talking about doubt and we're talking about all these things, and you're like, I don't even know this God person that you're talking about. Maybe, if that's you. In a second, I'm going to give you an opportunity to raise your hand and say, hey, that's me. I don't even know who God is. You keep talking about all these great things he is, but I, I, I need to start back here a second. On the count of three, I'm going to give you a second to raise your hand, and we're going to give you the opportunity to, for you to raise your hand and say, yes, you know, that's me today, and, and I want to start that journey today. If that's you, would you raise your hand for me? Hands across this room. Is there anybody here that says, hey, today's the day. I need, I need to experience this Jesus you're talking about. I need to experience this guide you're talking about. Anybody? Thank you. At Simple Church, we don't pray alone. No one in this room prays alone. So can we pray this out? Everyone pray out loud. We're going to celebrate the people who have said yes to Jesus today. Let's pray. God, come into my life. Refresh my mind. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new today. Help me to follow you and to teach others about you. Lord, we love you. Amen. Listen, guys, if that... Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.